Welcome to The Jig Is Up. My name is Darcy, and tonight we have a bit of a special episode. We uh, had an event yesterday uh, that was organized by uh, The Jig Is Up, and it was in relation to the Métis Nation of Alberta elections, and we had what was supposed to be a candidates forum for the region that I'm in, which is technically Region 3 for the MNA. Uh, that's here in Calgary, and a little bit more, like I think it goes up to, it's a little bit of southern Alberta. Um, so... It was originally supposed to be an all-candidates uh, forum where the candidates could come, we could ask them questions, and we could kind of get their ideas on what they want to do or how they see the nation moving forward. Now, initially I did uh, ask all of the candidates that I knew about in that were running in Region 3, and I got some, some people that uh, pretty much everybody said yes, except for Lawrence Gervais who is the current vice president of the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3 and is running for president. And when I talked to him on the phone, he said uh, he just wasn't interested and had no reason why. Just, nope, didn't want to do it. So that was fine. And then, uh, you know, probably by about the end of July, um, every other candidate had backed out and said that eh, they didn't feel it was worth their time. And... I'm not going to knock the other candidates because I don't know them personally, but I will say that I think it's uh, it says a lot when I, I'm not even a member of the MA and I don't want credit or anything for this, but I do think if somebody's willing to organize an event where you can come and talk to the people, the Métis Nation of Alberta members who you want to represent, I, I think maybe you should go. And the fact that I wanted to record this for this podcast so that you know, the other people that couldn't make it to the show um, could hear what these candidates have to say and could maybe, you know, get a little information before the election. And I think it's uh, it's real sad when when something like this is available and these candidates have absolutely no interest in it and they, they, think, they think that their time is better spent somewhere else. Better spent where? Um, it's it, so... I was really disappointed with the other candidates, and um, it ended up being um, two people who I very much respect, and, you know, I was going to try to be really impartial, and uh, if, because the other candidates were coming, I was going to be just an MC of the event and, and be very part impartial. Uh, but I would encourage everybody to now vote for Joe Pimlot for Region 3 President and Victoria Norris for Provincial Vice President. And the reason I would say that is because the two of them had the courage to show up, answer questions, listen to some criticism of the nation, of the current state of affairs, listen to some criticism of Rupert's Land Institute. And they were very honest and very open. Um, I know both of them personally, and they're amazing people. And these are the kinds of people that we want in leadership. These are the kinds of people that we need in leadership because they actually care about their community. Uh, I know both of them are very focused on youth. Uh, Victoria has, you know, a daughter and has grandchildren. And, you know, she's very, very much wants to see them have a much better life than she did. And a much better life than, you know, than all of us had at our age. We all want to see our children do better. And Joe is very community-oriented, very community-focused, and very focused on youth as well. And I think the fact that these are the two candidates that showed up and we're willing to do this, um, says a lot. And it was really great because we had the contrasting viewpoints of, uh, you know, the regional 
viewpoint of what would Joe do as president of the region, but then also the provincial view, which is what would you be working on as as VP in the pro- provincial um, aspect? Because while there are, there are similar issues, they're handled very differently, you know, locally as opposed to the whole province. So it's a very good discussion. Uh, I do have to preface this with um, I do apologize for a bit of the audio. Uh, it is not the best sound that I could have ever done. I had, unfortunately, some equipment failures last month, and those have not been repaired yet. So I had to rent some gear, um, and we didn't have enough mics, and so it just didn't work out exactly how I wanted it to sound. But I hope you guys enjoyed anyway. And to all of those outside of Alberta, I know this is related only to Alberta and the Métis Nation elections, but you know, I, I think it's a, a good way to listen to understand better um, the mentality of people that are running for election, and specifically these two candidates. And I, and I But I think it shows, uh, you know, the kind of the mentality of, of some of the change that people want to see right now, even within these organizations. Um, you know, a lot of times we spend time on this show critiquing and, uh, and outright criticizing the, the Métis Nation organizations, right from the Métis National Council and down. And, and I think they deserve it. I think if you're going to be a public corporation that receives public funding and you're going to call yourself a government, then you better be prepared and wear the uh, big person pants and wade through the criticisms and the critiques. Um, it, it is never a critique on the actual people that make up these organizations. I, as I said, I know Joe and I know Victoria and I know many, many, many other people that are in the Métis Nation of Alberta, Métis Nation of Saskatchewan, Métis Nation of British Columbia, and they are absolutely phenomenal people. They want change. They want to do better. They, and and they're they're looking within their system to do that. And I I applaud that. And if if I was part of that organization, you're damn right I'd be involved. Um. And I'm not, you know, I, I, it's funny, I get accused a lot of times of being angry about not being part of the MA. But I'm not. Because the MA doesn't do anything for me. I don't, um, I'm not in a position where um, I would need any of their services. And so I don't really need their membership. I don't want their membership. But there are people that could benefit greatly from having membership in an organization like that. And it's those people, when they're not getting the services, the programs, the, the the and there's no youth programs and things like that. That's where I do get angry. Not because these organizations won't let me in. It's because these organizations aren't taking care of their people. I have the same problem with any organization. Uh, when I hear about RCMP members that are suffering from PTSD who are not getting the mental health services from their the RCMP, who are not getting the support from their RCMP organization, it, it, it pisses me off. But that isn't a knock on every single RCMP officer out there. It's a knock on the organization, the structure, the governance, the the attitude, the environment, the culture that has been created there. And when I look at these Métis Nation organizations, I see a leader leadership that's been entrenched for two, over two decades in almost all of them, except the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan. They're kind of a bit of a mess. <laughs> Sorry, Saskatchewan guys. Um, but... The truth is, is you need fresh blood. You need new viewpoints. And I, I really, really want to encourage all those Métis Nation of Alberta members that are listening to get out and vote. But subsequently, in the other provinces with these Métis Nation organizations, get those leaders out of there in less than 20, 30 years. There is no reason 
they need to be in power for two to three decades. That's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Those are my personal opinions. Um, having said that, I really hope you guys enjoy this uh, conversation we had. Uh, it's about an hour long, so this is a bit of a longer episode. And again, I apologize for the audio. I hope it doesn't drive you guys too crazy. Um, I've been, but it, I have a little bit of OCD when it comes to this, so it drives me crazy. But uh, I hope you guys have a great... Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I want to, again, thank Victoria and Joe Pimlot for coming. And uh, we'll start off the conversation. Welcome to the Jig is Up, and I'm Darcy, and I'm happy to be here um, with Victoria and with Joe, and a little bit of a crowd here. So let's just kick things off, and Victoria, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what you stand for as a candidate. I just want to thank you firstly for inviting me to be here, Yeah. and uh, I think it's really important for everyone to know uh, that I was actually born in Alberta, and I think that's important for running for Métis Nation of Alberta. Raised in the northern Alberta in Grand Prairie area, <coughs> experiencing both urban and uh, rural lifestyles. As a child, my dad would be hunting and trapping, and we lived out in the country where, in a little place called Nose Creek, where I had to run to the creek to get water. So I experienced that wonderful lifestyle. So I believe I come with a really Métis perspective and worldview. I uh, have lived in Calgary the last 30 years, 17 of which I have spent with the federal government uh, with a strong business background. And so with my Métis worldview and my strong business background, and also the last 30 years I've been uh, advocating for Indigenous rights in Calgary, such as uh, being on the advisory committee to the chief of police. I'm, that was passed, and currently I'm on the advisory committee, the Aboriginal advisory committee to the United Way. I've been working for Heritage Park as a Métis interpreter now for the last, oh, seven or so years. Uh, part-time and so I've got a lot of experience in sharing my Métis history and culture with uh, guests from all over the world so I'm a very very proud Métis person and I'm just really excited to share our Métis history and culture not only with part guests but all of Alberta and all of Canada and I think the combined experiences and life experiences that I carry with me especially raising a child with a developmental disability having experience with child welfare saving Métis loved ones from a harsh system that hasn't been good to Métis people for years and years and years I hope to bring that expertise with me in and bringing forward as your vice president thank right you on. Right on. Thank you. Go ahead, Joe. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, putting this on. Yeah. Thank you for having us here, and I'd like to thank everybody uh, that's in the audience for attending. Uh, it's not easy doing it just after an AGA. Uh, everybody's exhausted, <laughs> but I'm glad for those of you that did attend, uh, you're here now. Uh, my name is Joe Pimlot. I have been in Calgary for approximately you know, about 30, 32 years. Uh, born on Vancouver Island, the family originates from the St. Boniface area in, uh, in Manitoba. And uh, a little bit of my background, I've worked for the, the Métis Nation for about 11 years now in a, a few different capacities, uh, manager of youth programs. Uh, uh, I truly feel that um, youth are the future, and I know everybody says that, but the reality is it comes a lot quicker than we realize. Mm. And one of the uh, the concerns that I do have, and we can get to that a little bit later, is that 
are we creating a future that allows them to take over or are we controlling it for ourselves and i think that's one of the biggest issues that we have uh, as as uh, as adults is letting go yeah i think that um my experience as a manager of youth programs and of course for those of you who do know me uh regional and uh a short-term provincial vice president, yep. and I'll get into that a little bit later <laughs> just so everybody's on uh, on the level with exactly why I did go when I went. Uh, yeah. So speculation can get uh, can get overruled, so to speak. Okay. And uh, a lot of the different committees and whatnot that I belong to, as, as Victoria said, I actually sit currently on the uh, Chief's Aboriginal Advisory Council. So that's kind of funny that you're, you're past and I'm current. I think that's great. Uh, I think we definitely need uh, more Métis uh, individuals on committees such as that so that we, we can truly create train, change or, uh, or at least try. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, a lot of times we do the best we can, but sometimes it just, it just hasn't reached that, uh, that bar just yet and we, we can't give up, so we have to try. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the different things that I've done over the course of the past decade have been primarily community development, mm-hmm. working directly with the community and making sure that everybody is taken care of, all the needs are met, and making sure that I am accountable for being a part of that because there's only a select few of us that can actually do the jobs that we do. Yeah. And if we're not teaching the younger generation how to do that stuff, then we're setting them up for failure. And mm-hmm. currently, we're failing ourselves. So yeah, for sure, you know, I could go on, but I think we should get started. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well, I, I know you talked a little bit about youth programs and stuff like that, but um, again, we'll go back to Victoria here. And I guess, what do you see? Whether you're elected or, or you know, within the next year, what do you see as kind of the top? one or two or three priorities that you see trying to deal with. Now, I know you're on the provincial side of things, and Joe's more regional, um, but kind of what are, what are the top three things are that you keep hearing about that you want to get tackling right away? Thank you for asking that, because I am dying to share. <laughs> I heard uh, from Jillian Fayon in her um, interview with Carolyn Bennett. She's the national Métis rep for youth right now, mm-hmm. Jillian Fant. She says that the top three on their list is firstly education. Absolutely, we need to move forward fast with education. I don't know why we don't have more funding for our Métis as the treaty do. I would like to see, you know, in a far off dream, hopefully not so far off, that all our Métis students get all their post-secondary education funded. Mm-hmm. And I've got other educational concerns because I would like to see preschool and kindergarten paid for with elders and Cree taught as well. So there's mm-hmm. a whole gambit of education that I'm really concerned about. The next thing that Jillian Fayant said, and this is my baby, is mental health. Mm-hmm. Here our youth are asking for mental health help and we're still sitting here. I'm going, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. I really want to move forward and I've got dreams floating around in my head where maybe that we could have online mental health 
paid for for all Métis youth so that they have access to it any time, night or day because our suicides rates are climbing. I went to an Aloxone training session in Fort McMurray and heard all the statistics on the fentanyl and the carfentanil that are on the rise at an alarming rate and carfentanil is for elephants and our children are ingesting this. Mental mm -hmm. health is really dynamic for me. It's really important to me and I'm going to be the one to advocate to the provincial government and hopefully Métis National Council in making sure that our dollars get spent appropriately meeting the needs of our youth and we can do that by talking with them, you know, having those discussions mm -hmm. and then developing programs that are going to actually work and not just look nice on paper with some funding dollars beside it. Yeah, I sure. want to see, I want to see results in our youth. We need to see them climbing out of those dark places. I talked to a young lady while I was campaigning, and this was her issue. She said that she was going to university, but because of her mental health concerns, she was unable to continue on with her studies. And then when she tried to go get mental health, guess what? They said, you don't have any mental health dollars because you're not showing up for class. Oh, wow. This is why I think we really need to develop our own mental health capacities for our Métis youth on an ongoing basis. And I know we can do things online. There's social media. There's all kinds of ways mm -hmm. we can meet the needs of our youth. The third thing that there was really uh, important for this young lady was in her community of Fishing Lake, they wanted a youth facility. And so that raised mm -hmm. a whole bunch of questions in my head. I said, okay, in a rural community, yes, that's going to really work for them. A youth facility where they can go for free. Hopefully there will be uh, people that can instruct, maybe basketball, hockey, you name it, and yeah, get yeah. them busy and engaged in some kind of sport to keep them going and yeah. with a purpose in life. However, in the rural, in the urban settings, we have a little kind of a different thing. We've got all kinds of facilities here. I think what we need to do is to engage our Métis youths another way. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking maybe setting up more sports teams like Edmonton with the, Edmonton did with that new hockey team that they're, yeah, yeah. that they've yeah. raised up there. So there's lots of ideas. Wow. Of course, there's lots of youth that have lots of ideas. For sure. And I would like to see them heard more with a stronger voice yeah. and one of the things that I'm going to maybe suggest is it's already been suggested at the AGM was that the youth have a seat at the provincial table oh that's wonderful I will be yeah. an advocate to make sure that there's a youth seat there oh, that's a great idea yeah now how about you Joe what are the top I guess three or a couple priorities for you if you were to get into office I think uh, yeah I think I echo a lot of what uh, Victoria said yeah um that's primarily from a provincial level. Now, when you're looking at a regional level, when you're looking at that grassroots component as to how do we engage the youth, yep. how do we empower the youth? And I think the, the biggest issue that we currently have is giving the youth the credit for knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. We don't do nearly as much as we possibly can when it comes to reaching out to the youth or asking them what their opinion is on what they want. Because mm -hmm. let's face it, I'm a 44-year-old 44 44 grandfather <laughs> telling you what I think we should do with the youth. Yeah. That is completely unrealistic <laughs> because I don't know what my kids want. They yeah. know what they want. Yeah, so yeah. why don't we ask them what they want? Yeah. Why don't we, as we were saying um Get a youth at the provincial council table. We have a provincial youth group, which yeah. consists of 
six different members from each region and then they meet once every uh, few months, I would assume, if mm-hmm. there's dollars attached to them yeah. being able to do that. I'd like to look at something completely different. On top of that, I would like to actually have our own regional youth council. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Because then you actually have a representative from each one of our local areas that get together couple, three times a year. They do the exact same thing, but then they're able to actually design events around our region yep. to make it that much stronger so that we actually know what our youth want. Absolutely. I think that's going to be one of the most critical things. And of course, having a youth at our regional council tables, not just at a provincial, but at the regional council tables mm-hmm. so that we are becoming accountable from a regional level for our youth. And honestly, looking at the dynamics of how we could do something like that, we could alternate the youth. It just doesn't have to be one chair. Mm -hmm. Because as you alternate a chair uh, position, you give those youth the tools of leadership. You give them the tools on how to run uh, organizations, how to run businesses. Because I think that's another thing that we lack is actually teaching our kids how to run businesses. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if they are the future, why are we not actually doing stuff that is going to create a future for them? Yeah, absolutely. So by getting them involved in the entrepreneurship components or the uh, the apprenticeship components, yeah. making sure that they are ready and willing to take the reins because, you know, from 14 to 18 years old, you grow up that quick. Oh, yeah. And if we're not assisting them, and I don't, I don't want to say allowing them because we don't allow them to do anything. They're going to do it whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah. If we assist them in growing correctly and properly, yeah. then we're doing them a service, we're doing us a service, and we're creating that future that yeah. we truly want to see our youth uh, reach that level. Absolutely. I, and I, I think that's definitely important. I mean, that's the future of, of everything, right? So that's that's good good priorities. Is there anybody else that has any... Thoughts or ideas on that? Well, I guess we talked about the youth engagement. So we did a survey, kind of an informal survey on our website uh, for the podcast. And there was, I don't know, somewhere around 30 people answered the survey. And uh, overwhelmingly, it was like a three-question survey. And overwhelmingly, the response from people was that they want more transparency and more accountability. And it didn't specify at what level, so I just assumed at all levels. But uh, so where, I guess, what does that mean to you guys when you hear something like that? What is what is transparency and accountability and how do you guys see that becoming something that's routine and, and done without question in the future? Oh, that's a big one for me. Of course, coming from the federal government, that's what we're all about is transparency, inter- integrity, and accountability. And that's what I'm hoping to bring to the provincial table is uh, asking the questions. Uh, and knowing the questions to ask. And I feel I've been trained. Uh, it's going to be a little different, of course. It's going to be a learning curve for me. But it's not just in finances where you find transparency and integrity. Yeah. I'm finding that, you know, if people are are re- applying for their Métis cards and they haven't heard from us in a year, I think the Métis Nation might consider sending them a letter 
and saying, we've received your documentation. We're going to be a little bit longer. If you haven't heard from us in a month, you know, we'll call you or please call us. That To me, there's no accountability because I waited over a year for my Métis card and uh, I just waited. Nobody called me, told me anything, and I didn't know if it was wow. coming or in the mail or the checks in the mail. So I would like to see more accountability, but mm -hmm. I just have the feeling they don't have those checks and balances in place and I believe that in over time I would like to see more of that happening it's just like if you go to the federal government and you make an appeal you get a letter right away saying we've received your appeal we're going to talk to you in three months so I would like to bring those kind of things into the Métis mm. Nation of Alberta mm. so if someone calls and complains about someone else there should be a formal process of a letter that you get recognizing that we've heard from you and we want to acknowledge and that we're moving forward in this way or yep. whatever way. And there's probably many processes that need to be developed. And I'm sure I'm go when I get there, I'm going to recognize it when I'm in there. Absolutely, and that's yeah. what I'm hoping for, to bring forward that transparency and accountability that I'm already using in my life and in my career. Yeah. Right on. And Joe, what, about, what do you see on the regional side? Uh, now I believe that the, the region has a, uh, a new website. Okay. I believe it's come up uh, in the last three or four months. I think uh, when it comes to transparency and accountability on, on that level, it's making sure that our our financial records are up to date every single month mm. on that website yeah. so that our membership knows exactly what we're doing with those dollars and that we're yeah. doing it correctly. Yeah. When it comes to accountability, I mean, that can go in a number of dif different directions. When it, we talk about um, being able to provide those programs and services that our office has been designated to do, making sure that it's all up to date and making sure that our public knows exactly what we're doing and when we're doing it. Because mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of times there may be events and whatnot going on and a lot of our community members may find out a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, potentially, mm -hmm. and they've missed the boat. And that's really unfortunate. So making sure that we as a uh, as an office are making sure that our community members are completely up to date on what's happening prior to the events yeah. so that we can get a really good turnout. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that um, getting into office, we, uh, we take upon a certain number of responsibilities when it comes to building that regional office or that mm -hmm. provincial office, yeah. but that regional office, I I, uh, I really need to uh, to talk about because its current state is not where we want it to be. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that our region flourishes. We want to make sure that we can provide for our community on our own. Yeah, and I think that that accountability and that forward thinking is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that, honestly, I am that person to take our region to the next level. Right now. Um, all right. And did anybody else have any questions about any accountability, transparency, or anything like yes. that? Oh, go ahead. I appreciate what you were saying. But... Yeah. And I appreciate your... Reality comes in. If we're going to really deal with our youth, how are we going to do it? What are we going to do about it? The biggest elephant in the room is Riverside. It's one of the biggest jokes in the Métis Nation. How do we hold them accountable? 
of standing on with, with Rupert Glenn for 20 years to supply me with a first year plumbing apprentice. 20 years they haven't sent in one person. If someone tries to get funding, they have them run around in circles and circles and circles and letters and letters and letters for the funding that they say that's there for the Métis people. Mm-hmm. Rupert's land, how are we going to hold them accountable, please? <laughs> tough question. That is a tough question, and uh, I hear that uh, you're really frustrated, and I understand that, and I acknowledge that it is not a perfect system, and there's always room for improvement. And I'm hoping that with a fresh perspective and new eyes, sometimes that's what it takes is a is new eyes, new blood coming in and just reviewing the whole system and making suggestions. And so my hope is that when I get in and with my uh, business experience, with my fresh new eyes, I can make some suggestions, and hopefully we can hear from the youth and people as yourself on ways that maybe that we should be open to learning about how we can better meet the needs of our youth, because you're right, it is all about the youth, and we're obviously, we're not making the grade right now. We're not making the grade, and one of the problems is is that we're, we don't have the full kind of funding that I think our Métis youth need in the first place. I'm sorry to hear that uh, your offer, your standing, or request for the apprentice has not been acknowledged. And this is where accountability for me comes in. Why hasn't somebody sent you a letter and given you a reason why or whatever? I'm not sure of the whole process there or what's happened there or why they haven't accommodated you in that aspect. But there needs to be accountability as to an answer and a reason why. But uh, as for keeping Rupert's line accountable, I plan to go in there and start asking questions. Thank you. I agree. I think um, we need to start looking at from the top down, finding out Mm -hmm. why um, these offers were not received properly and what that accountability process actually is, who's responsible for that, and if they are responsible for that and they're not doing their job, maybe there needs to be a shift at that level Mm -hmm. as well. Maybe there needs to be a change. We need to make sure that those that we have working at our arm's length organizations are doing the Métis Nation of Alberta membership justice just as they claim they do. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then we need to make some serious rumblings to make sure that we do have the right people in place that can do that. Mm -hmm. Another thing is we need to make sure that we in the region are doing everything we can to make sure that those folks up there are doing their jobs. Yeah. But we also have a person who's in a position right now in the region who's supposed to be the co-minister of Rupert's Land. And he is not doing his job. We have another person who's running who works for Rupert's Land. She's not in a position of power <laughs> Something has to be done for our youth. Instead of these runarounds, excuses, and everybody hiding behind the workers' land label, someone has to be stepping up and doing something, getting something done, where we can feel proud and excited about the possibilities for our youth. Well, I can tell you that if, when I get elected in, I'll make sure that I get those answers. Because I think enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You know. I am a product 
of Rupert's Land from a decade ago, and I have noticed a major shift in accountability on their part, mm -hmm. on making sure that all the programs and services that they are providing are up-to-date and relevant yep. to today's standards or to what our current youth clientele is actually looking for mm -hmm. or what it's not looking for. And if we're not taking our own entrepreneur's advice or options on what could be, then truly, what are we good for? Yeah. I think with what you're saying too, it sounds to me like on a regional level, wouldn't that a lot of that be solved if on the regional side of things, you could work with the region to make this apprenticeship happen and make things like that happen? And more, because I mean, to me, you know, then it's got to go up somewhere and it's got to go through paperwork and then they got to process and then it's got to come back, but it's, it's leaving Calgary. So would, I don't make just as an idea, would that work on a regional level to build something like that here? Just, just on your own, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. something like that you'd think would be fairly easy i mean you have a willing participant <laughs> that's that should be like a no-brainer let's just feel that but yeah i think that's a great those are the kinds of opportunities and i mean you don't hear that stuff a lot of times right so definitely some accountability there and this is coming from one of our extremely successful metis entrepreneurs yeah that they're willing to go out of their way to assist in providing this apprenticeship information and an individual that sits at the highest level in the country to work with Rupert's land to make sure that we actually yeah. have entrepreneurs ready and ready to go yeah. over the next, I don't know how many years. And unfortunately it fell on deaf ears and I don't think that can happen anymore. I think mm -hmm. that if we're serious about getting our youth employed, educated and employed, then we really need to start looking at our entrepreneurs that have walked the walk and talked the talk. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, when it comes to you know elected officials, we can only do so much. We are providing a service to the community, and the community is guiding us on what they are looking for, yep. what they need. So we have to be listening to them. For sure. And if we're not, then 
we're in the wrong business. Yeah, and Absolutely. these are exactly the kinds of opportunities that I think is the only is the perfect way for the Métis Nation to move forward in becoming economically sustainable is by partnering up with community members and businesses that are already in place that already have created that wheel so that we can partner up with them and we can move forward together making better opportunities for our youth and unfortunately this is exactly the kind of situation that I'm talking about that a letter should have been sent to you within a certain period of time yeah. like once you had that meeting I, you know, from my perspective, I would like to see if a letter sent out to you in a response outlining yay or nay the reasons why it can't happen if it can't happen and what the process is to move forward if it can happen. And I'm hoping in the, for in the future that we will partner up with more businesses and businessmen such as yourself in furthering the Métis e economy. All right. Well, any other questions that anybody has so far? Um, so I guess this this question is more uh, focused on Joe, um, but when it comes to the, <laughs> I'm just going to beat you up, buddy. When it comes to the Region Three, that encompasses uh, several locals. Uh, it's it's a fairly large area. So, how do you foresee meeting the needs of those communities within Region Three, which is more than just Calgary? Um, I know Calgary's the biggest in Region Three, but how do you how do you um, like, is it working with the locals? Is it work, like, how do you envision empowering them a little more? Well, I think it falls back on what we were talking about when it comes to that economic development component. But scaling it back just a bit more, because I've actually been a regional vice president, mm -hmm. I have previous experience with working with the local leadership. Mm -hmm. And I find that when you're engaging them on a regular basis, they are much more prosperous. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much of that has been done lately, but I know that when I get in, I'll make sure that my phone is always on for them and I will go to them and make sure that everything that they're looking for when it comes to youth, uh, youth issues, when it comes to seniors issues, when it comes to an economic development um, concern, I'm there for them mm -hmm. because they are the ones that ultimately elect us in and we have to be accountable and transparent for them as well. Yeah. Within Region 3, we have, I believe, seven locals. And they're very spread out. And they all have specific issues mm -hmm. because of the size of their, uh, their community, because of uh, the vastness of uh, where their people live. And they all have different wants and needs. Mm -hmm. And you have to be extremely eclectic with how you relate to each and every one of them. Mm -hmm. I have those skills, I have those abilities, and I have the experience. So I'm willing to do what it takes to make sure that all of their needs are completely met. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's kind of with what you were saying there too. Um, that's one of those things where I think maybe you should have the ability to talk to the local or the regional to get some headway there. But it doesn't sound like that happens either. So, you know, like... The thing about the apprenticeship is that Companies in the Mechanical Contractors Association are all throughout Alberta. Yeah. And so the opportunity for the youth to get hired in Medicine Hat, get hired in Electric, yeah. get hired in Slate Lake, get hired in Grand Prairie with mechanical contractor companies up there that yep. would buy into the system. Yeah. The plan. And how do we hold the ministers accountable? Yep. That's what it comes down to. But, but of course, everything starts at the grassroots. Yeah, absolutely. 
the sky, everybody wants to come after Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. I agree, and I and I think um, what uh, what my friend is saying is that if we want to make sure that this uh, apprenticeship is done correctly, it starts at the grassroots, but it needs to be dealt with at the top, mm-hmm. so that every single region, every single local, has those opportunities. Absolutely. Now, for me, I'm kind of biased when it comes to Region 3, but I think that province-wide, all of our youth, all of our folks that are out of work deserve the exact same mm-hmm. um, possibilities. Yeah. And I think that we need to definitely hold those uh, that are responsible for something like a major apprenticeship partnership accountable yeah. and to make sure that you know it, it happens in the future. Because how many families are we actually holding off on making a decent living by not having something like this? Yeah. Well, and I think it would drive youth engagement. I mean, as they get older, if, if they had this benefit, well, they're going to remember that. And so as they get older, well, then they're going to look for ways that they can maybe give back to their community like you have. And it's, it it's propagates itself. And so you talked about, you know, being financially st- stable and sustainable. And I think that's really what this boils down to. I mean, if you don't get those opportunities from Métis Nation, well, then why would you give back to them? They never gave, they never did anything for you. And so I think that's, that begins that whole mentality of like, well, what's the point then? And I think it's important to remember that Métis people, we were the backbone of the Canadian economy when we first created this country. We are entrepreneurs, and our entrepreneurs today are our warriors. They are the Métis Mm -hmm. warriors. It's our entrepreneurs that are providing and protecting for our families and our communities. If it isn't for our entrepreneurs, we're not going to have the dollars for our programs and services that we need for our youth, for our women, for our seniors, for our veterans. Entrepreneurs mm. really are the warriors of the Métis Nation. Absolutely. Or the opportunities for kids to get into it. I've got a 22 year old First Nation that is a journeyman working for my job. Mm-hmm. 22 years old First Nation that's the theme of this is not a last year. That's the opportunities that are out there for our youth. Yeah. I've got AT apprentices. I have uh, people that work for me from all countries of the world. That's the thing that they're all. Yeah. And that goes back to the way you were talking about education. I mean, that would be part of that whole education program, right? To partner with school boards and things like that to get these things happening. Yeah. And that actually leads into the, the one of the last questions I had, which was when you look at the regional or provincial level, like um, there's more relationships than just the Alberta government, federal government. There's the cities, the municipalities, but there's also the school boards. There's also... Um, you know, other community act, uh, groups within those communities. So um, I guess what do you guys see moving forward as to how to build better relationships? Because like even here in Calgary, like they raise the flag a couple times a year down at City Hall, but 
Like what, you know, we're, what is going on at the school board? What is going on within the city to educate their own counselors about Métis? Are they, uh, there's the White Goose Fine report that they're supposed to implement ed- Indigenous education. Well, are they doing that? Are we, are Métis people involved in holding the city accountable to that? So where do those relationships fit in? I think maybe, maybe on a provincial level, but you know, and specifically on a regional yeah. level. Oh, that's really exciting because we were just at an event uh, in Red Deer at the Red Deer Museum, and there is a perfect example of uh, municipalities partnering up with the Métis Nation and working together and moving forward and bringing reconciliation both an understanding between non-native and Métis communities. And I was so excited to be there. They had hired a wonderful young lady that gave some jigging lessons. We talked a little bit about Métis. They had a Joanne Schubert uh, art display inside the museum Mm -hmm. where people were, it was free for the Métis event. And so people were coming in. And so here you see real community involvement and reconciliation. And I get the same thing when I'm working at Heritage Park when guests come in and I'm inviting Métis people to come. And I don't know where else that you can go and see Métis history and culture being preserved and protected better than what I do at Heritage Park as a Métis interpreter there. And this is what I want to see for the whole province, and that's why I'm really excited about Métis Crossing and making sure we get more tourism and partnering up with the tourism associations that are already in place. Mm -hmm. We don't need to reinvent a wheel. We've already got everything in place that we need. Partnering up, I think, is the key, and I'd like to see it with more, like we've got going also with the Glenbow Museum here in Calgary, Mm -hmm. but and schools are starting to partner up. Like, uh, we get a lot of children coming to Heritage Park learning Métis history and culture that way as well, like school programs. Uh, I'd like to see that even further, um, partnering up with the rec center and maybe having a Métis night where, you know, they're inviting, you know, Métis youth to come for some kind of an event. Mm -hmm. I would definitely be open and looking for those kind of partnerships. And I would also need other people's ideas to come in with that as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I think in the past uh, number of years that I've been involved with the Métis Nation, there's been an increase in accountability on uh, the municipality's part. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. not just ours, creating that awareness Mm -hmm. of who we are, but on their end of actually sustaining that awareness by acknowledging, you know, the fact that they're on Métis Region 3 land. Mm -hmm. Um, Making sure that they continue that accountability is one of the things that I love to do. You know, at every event that I go to, I make sure to make eye contact with whoever is responsible for that particular event to make sure that they know I'm there and that as they're doing their opening speeches, that they make sure that they uh, they acknowledge that we're on our territory as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't always happen. Yep. But I think that um, an increased awareness of... Our presence is definitely required mm-hmm. within the school system. I know that they are trying, you know, with a lot of our, 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 our colleges and universities that are indigenizing. Uh, I think that uh, a little more so can be done from a Métis perspective as well. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. that um, there needs to be more individuals on those particular boards and committees that are Métis so that mm-hmm. we are represented a lot more yeah. than just being acknowledged. Yeah, I think that's critical. And I think that's why I always put myself out there, no matter what job I'm doing, 
to make sure that I sit on a number of different committees uh, so that I'm doing my part as a Métis citizen to make sure they're doing their part as mm -hmm. the rest of society. Yeah. And I will continue to do it no matter what because that's just who I am as an individual. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely going to be a need for years to come. And I want to make sure that our younger people see that and they mimic that as they get older. Yeah. That they're not just, um, they're not just Métis citizens. They're Métis people, you mm -hmm. know, and they need to be proud of who they are. And they need to make sure that they see the older folk, because I'm getting older, are doing just what they need to do to make sure that our people are always recognized. Mm -hmm. Right on. Any questions related to that at all? Anybody? Um, I guess I didn't have this one written down, so I'm going to ambush you with this one. But uh, um, I know that the Métis Nation is working on a harvester's agreement. And um, I know originally it was not supposed to be, nobody south of Red Deer was going to get harvesting rights. And I don't know exactly where that is right now as far as the progress on it. But I would think that Métis living south of Red Deer would be kind of disappointed in hearing that. So I guess what are your guys' thoughts on that? I don't know if you guys know specifically where it is at. But just kind of your thoughts on that. Like where do we, how do we get a harvester's program but only for a portion of the province and only for some Métis and not others and it's you know so it's a very confusing issue but I just kind of I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or... oh I have lots of thoughts on that <laughs> <laughs> all right okay for one thing go. it's totally unfair you're absolutely right Red Deer South because of the Herzogorn case they've decided that there were no Métis prior to the 1800s down south and so they've said no no to any harvesting rights south mm -hmm. of Red Deer and it's going to go north um, I think that's totally wrong I think that we are a fiduciary duty to the federal government now, and it's not up to the province to decide where we should be able to hunt. But because the, the federal government has left it up to the, each province to decide who and where for the hunting rights, mm -hmm. this is the limbo that we're in, and, 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 and it frustrates me to no end. On saying that, however, <laughs> I'm really concerned about the number of animals that are alive today like mm -hmm. i've heard that over 50 percent of our moose 50 percent of our deer we're down 50 percent on all our numbers on yeah. on living on Could be, wild yeah. animals yeah. and so i'm going you know on the one hand this is something i would really like to stand up and fight for mm -hmm. uh the other hand i'm kind of going we deserve it it's our right but i i'm a responsible hunter as well Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we get our numbers back up with our with our livestock or our our, our wildlife. Uh, the other thing is, though, um, uh, that uh, because I'm from the north, and, I, and I'm going to be really blunt and honest here, and I might not, I might get criticized on this. <laughs> Forgive right. me, but my observation is, when I was young, we had to hunt. My dad yeah. had to poach because he was supposed to go get a ticket to hunt. We were too poor to even buy a ticket. Mm -hmm. I lived on rabbits, ducks, moose, whatever my dad could get. Yeah. And it was imperative that we hunted when I lived in the north. It was There was no choice. Yeah. It was eat or uh, and hunt or starve. Right. In the south, it's very different. You know, it's not, we're not so relying on the hunting mm -hmm. aspect. And I maybe some people are, but not that I've seen. Mm 
if you mm-hmm. want to know the truth. And um, so I'm saying if it means that my northern family gets to eat and I have to go without my harvesting rights in the south, if that's the what I have to do in order for that mm-hmm. to happen, then I'm not going to, I'm going to be happy that they're going to eat. Not that I'm happy that I don't have my harvesting rights, but yeah. I will settle. Yeah. I guess is how I feel about that. Yeah. And Joe, maybe on a regional level, like I know you're probably going to get faced with this if they don't, if they cut it off at Red Deer, it's going to be pretty much, hey, <laughs> why aren't you fighting for us? Well, and I think it's been, it's been cut off for, for a number of years since the Hersicorn yeah. case. And I do know that the um, that the harvesting rights are ongoing, and they are trying to uh, reconfigure them so that it's a, a lot more realistic. But I don't see it happening anytime soon mm-hmm. because of those court cases. They really did hurt us mm-hmm. uh, as Métis citizens, as Métis individuals, and for those that are really trying to feed their families. You know. Yeah. The reality is, if we got our full rights and we were province-wide, there would not be an influx in individuals going out and killing a whole bunch of elk or a whole bunch of deer or a whole bunch no. of moose. No, Because the, 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 the breakdown is the majority of us are urban hunters. We hunt at Costco or we yeah. hunt at co-op. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. There are a select few that actually go hunt. And they do it to sustain their families. Yep. So there's a very, very small amount of individuals that um, would be hunting extra. And I don't yeah. think it would really hurt the additional hunters that go out and they get their tickets and whatnot. Yep. It is our inherent right, 100%. Yeah. And I think that if we fight hard enough, we will get what we're looking for. But we need to make sure that the right individuals are put there to fight for us and they won't fizzle out and they won't mm-hmm. kiss any ass yeah, yeah. and they will do what's right for the community, not what's right for themselves. Mm-hmm. Very good. Any, anybody have any questions about that or harvesting or anything like that? That 
is exactly why I'm running. With my business background with the federal government working in business tax, I feel that I come with keen eyes that have been looking at financial statements, bank statements, and all kinds of legal documents regarding different businesses all over Calgary. Different industries, mind you, but I think the, the, the process is going to be similar. Uh, when that new money comes in, I coming in to assist in making sure that those dollars get put in the priorities that the people have asked and needed. For me, housing is seniors. We need seniors housing yesterday. I want to make sure that those dollars get put in the right place at the right time for the right people, ongoing and be accounted for, transparent, so that you, the Métis citizen, know where those dollars are being put we need to be accountable and if they're not i'm there to i can ask those questions because that's what i do for a living now i think as a uh, as a regional uh, president i'll be the first to say i don't know everything about everything but what i do know is that i know how to ask questions to those that do have those critical skills in our community and by making sure that I am surrounded by those individuals that have those skills and asking those proper questions and getting that advice, having a um, an advisory circle, if you will, of Métis entrepreneurs and businessmen and women mm -hmm. to make sure that we are on the right track, that we have the right direction, and we are going on the path to make sure that our kids, our youth, our young adults are prepared for the future. Mm -hmm. I will never say that I know everything about everything, but I do know when to ask the right questions to make sure that we're going the right way. Mm -hmm. I think along those lines, though, like I, what I see, you know, when the when the MNA does their financials and you see where they've spent their money, it's a very general and vague thing. And so one of my biggest issues is they spend over a million dollars a year on travel. And I don't know what that means to them. I mean, I'm, I know it's, you know, meals and hotels, but but there's no real, like, here's what we actually spent it on. You know, like, it's just travel. And I think there's a lot of that where it's just generalized. And so with $10 million coming in, is that just going to get, does that mean they're going to spend $2 million in travel? And what do we get for that? And I think, to me, that's kind of what I'm hearing from that is, like, with the existing way it's done, it's so very vague. So, you know, like I know with our MLAs and MPs, we can go online and look at their expense reports. Why can't we look at if Joe spent $100,000 a year next year in travel, why can't we go and see Joe's expense reports as to what he's, you know, is he eating lobster and steak three times a day when he's traveling? Like, and, and so those are the kind of questions. And I think to me, even if there's nothing going wrong or there's no shady business, it looks shady. Whereas if you just say, oh, it's online, just go. Even if it's for members only, not the general public, just you can log on with your M&A number into the website and look at whoever's expense report. Well, it gives a lot more accountability to where that money might be going. Absolutely, and that's exactly what I was saying when it comes to a regional level, making sure that our uh, numbers are on monthly, they're updated monthly, so mm -hmm. that anybody that becomes a brand new uh, Métis citizen that gets their shiny new card in the mail can go online and say, oh, well, this is what uh, Joe did. This is what so-and-so did. This is what happened when it came to seniors. That's where the dollars are going, and you yep. can track it. Yeah. 
That's the critical part from a regional level. Now, from a provincial level, that's a whole different entity. Yeah, my, what I see here, though, is that we're going to be going through a lot of growing pains. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of changes going on. In order to to uh, notice or view all the changes that are coming in, I think some new processes and procedures are going to have to be put in place. We're going to need professional help. I wouldn't even know how to implement all that. That's why there's companies that will come in and prepare all those kind of documentations or, 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 or uh, computer sites that you need mm -hmm. to get it all up and running. But we can be accountable, and mm -hmm. we can ask those questions. Those numbers can be broken down. I don't know why we're not seeing them, but I know where or, and how to ask the questions, and yeah. I intend to when I get there, and just to get that information out for everybody to see. And maybe I can just share my knowledge in that, you know, that if, if, it, if it appears to be shady, it is shady. And that's what I've learned, you know, <laughs> from my many years in the government. If you have nothing to hide, you're, you, you should be able to show all your yeah. books and records. Absolutely. And all your accounting software. Um, that's kind of all the questions I had. So if there's anybody who has maybe a final question or two of anything to do with M&A business or no? Okay, go ahead. That is a really good question and one that is very near and dear to my heart and I'll tell you why. It's because when I was a single mother raising three children in Calgary, I don't know what I would have done without Métis Urban Housing. I will be a strong advocate to move forward and one of my platforms will be in that I would like to increase the percentage of Métis people working in Métis, the Métis Nation of Alberta altogether because right now there is a lot of non-Métis there, and if we need the expertise, I understand that, and that's the rationale that they use in hiring people that are mm -hmm. not Métis, and I understand that. However, why can't we take our youth and start training them into these jobs, the ones that are interested? Maybe we could have a mentorship program and see if they're interested and move forward in getting them the education on the side and paid in full, by the way, and getting them working for us, working for ourselves. I work for the federal government. They work hard to try and make sure that they match what's out there in reality for visible minorities, women, aboriginals. Well, they're sorely lacking in aboriginals, I'm afraid, but um, their statistics prove that. I can say that online. But uh, Métis people, we should be Métis serving Métis. And that's my perspective, and I will work hard to move forward on that and moving forward on making sure that we hire our Métis businessmen and our tradesmen in moving forward in improving Métis urban housing. There was a, a report uh, during the AGM that we've actually increased the amount of uh, Métis urban housing houses that were in disrepair that are 
coming along and they're expecting another 100 and about 73 this year to be repaired. So it is improving. Well, there you go. Let's see what we can do to change that in the future. I think uh, Vicki read my mind because one of the main things that I want to make sure happens is that we are Métis for Métis. Mm -hmm. And I think that has become secondary when it comes to a lot of these business dealings is that that gets lost in the shuffle because we don't have the experience that the, uh, uh, the thousand staff company does. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest issues is that we aren't taking in account our youth and being able to educate and to um, make sure that they are um, they are savvy in those particular jobs, so yeah. that we can hire Métis for more for Métis. Yeah. And I think that maybe uh, Métis Urban and Rupert's Land really need to get together and find out what the heck is going on, what jobs mm -hmm. are truly out there, and what they're looking for when it comes to those job skills, so that you can actually provide programs and services or apprenticeships for the youth or for the young people or for those that are looking for something completely different that are Métis. So yep. we can hire Métis to do those particular jobs mm -hmm. so that we're actually building our nation up from within, not from without. Yeah. You had another question? One Yep. And, but we're getting into the dirt when we're talking about this kind of stuff. How do we, I have one, the you entrepreneur know, of the year, we're Southern Alberta, a couple years ago, Transcanada Pipelines, sitting with them and their vice president. Their vice president of Transcanada Pipelines is putting together a Métis business trip. I think this is going to be wonderful. We have the opportunity now to be able to see what kind of Métis businesses are out there. Mm -hmm. Then I find out that the Métis business director is a pay-per-view director, and it costs $1,000 to look at. Oh, wow. How does the minister of economic development get away with that? How does the minister of Rupert's Land get away with what he does? Wow. How does the minister of Métis Urban Housing get away with what he does? How do the co-ministers look at the, look at themselves Great question. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough question. That's a to tough answer. question. And I, you know what? I don't know the answer to that if you want to know the truth. $1,000. Who owns, yeah, I guess I don't know myself who actually owns that list and who actually made the list. So. I wow. think the, I think the biggest issue is that the the directory was made for industry. It yeah. wasn't made for your everyday mom and pop yeah, yeah. Um, company. The problem is those organizations that are offset, like um, yours, for example. They have to pay a thousand dollars just to see if they are eligible to possibly maybe put a bid in for something. Mm -hmm. To me, that's unrealistic. That's You're stealing money from those individuals that may not have $1,000 to provide to their staff, mm -hmm. and it's unacceptable. There almost needs to be a second directory that is for everybody else. 
that somebody that has a uh, a grocery store that wants to try and get some Métis business to do their HVAC or something like that. Yeah. That's a lot less than $1,000 just to take a look at. There needs to be some parameters put in place when this stuff is designed. If it's for the Métis people, then it should be for the Métis people. It should be for all Métis businesses, not just one group. Yeah. Now, when you're saying they're charging $1,000, you mean like if... Uh, oil company A wanted to come in and see we're going to do some work here and we want to know if there's Métis contractors, they would charge them a thousand dollars to view it. Yes. See that to me is like a deterrent to do, doing business. That's that's a roadblock. I mean as a company, even if it's a big company, why would they bother? They get, why, at, at that point, well, why, am I, why are you charging me to find out if I can employ you? You know, that, that doesn't make sense. But the reason that is, is because the, the business needs to be Aboriginal involved. Yeah. What happens is that they have to use a certain percentage of Aboriginal business when they're on government lands, urban yep. lands, provincial lands, whatever the uh, yeah. procurement strategy is. And so that's the theory behind it. But all of a sudden now you've knocked out 90% of the mom and shops and the AT people yeah. from using themselves, using their own businesses. Yeah. Again, being able to hire youth and adults and seniors, male, female, it doesn't matter. Now the opportunities are taken away. Mm-hmm. I would like to see at the regional and the provincial uh, levels a Métis directory that actually works. We've been promised a Métis directory for 10 years. And now we get one that's going to cost wow. me $1,000 to look at. Yeah. That's something I'll definitely look into and uh, get back to you on that. Well, those were some great questions. Um, I don't know if you guys want to have some final remarks, and we don't have to leave or anything, but um, we're at an hour now with the show. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to do kind of like a final anything. But uh. I just want to say um, I am so proud to be a Métis woman moving forward with Métis rights, and I'm hoping to be uh, a role model for other young women to move forward in leadership. And I have great role models sitting right here, Michelle Robinson, uh, who ran for Calgary quite a while ago. And uh, she was my inspiration, thinking that I could do it. And I'm well on my way, and my campaign is going wonderful. And I'm loving meeting all the Métis people, hearing everybody's concerns, because these are the things I grew up talking about and hearing my father and my uncles talk about, very passionate Métis advocates. We are a very unique people on the face of the earth. We are the only ones that can stand up for ourselves. And we need to get up and do that. And I'm, and I will definitely be there doing that for you as your vice president. Thank you. I'd first like to uh, to thank Darcy for putting this on. Mm-hmm. I think that it's important that we uh, we utilize all the different platforms when it comes to social media. Yeah. And as we know, this is one of those uh, those new ones that our younger generation is using all the time. You know. Yeah. And I think that's critical for us senior-esque members of the community <laughs> to engage in that uh, in that way so what I'd like to say is uh, thank you for everybody that came thank you for all the questions um, as you all know we have our advanced polls coming up this Saturday August 18th mm-hmm. I encourage everybody 
who can vote to vote, it's extremely important, and September 18th is our official uh, election day. Again, if you can't Saturday, please do uh, next month. Change is coming, change is critical, and if we want to see a very positive, prosperous future, vote for Joe. Before you go, Joe, do you know where the polling stations are in the region? As this far as, uh, yeah, there's three. There is one in Calgary, there is one in Medicine Hat, and there is one in Red Deer. I believe Calgary is at the Executive Royal Inn. I believe uh, Medicine Hat is the Mia Wasson Friendship Center, and Red Deer, I'm pretty sure, is the Sheraton. Okay, thank you. I could awesome. be wrong, but check okay. the websites. Yeah, yeah that's Perfect. that's the best thing I could do. Absolutely. And get out there and vote. So I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank Joe and Victoria for being on the show. And that's it. Thank, thank you, you, Darcy. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Uh, again, I want to thank Victoria Norris and Joe Pimlot for coming out, being part of the event, being willing to sit in the hot seat and, and take the, the criticisms and the questions and, um, and, uh, and answer honestly. And, and be open and, and honest with everybody. So, again, huge thanks to them. I would encourage everybody to get out and run and, and or <laughs> get out and vote, not run, but get out and vote. And I would encourage everybody to vote for these two candidates, if you can. Um, I know there's other candidates, but honestly, if they're not willing to take the time to do events like this, I think it's a shame, and I think they they don't deserve to be in a position where they're not willing to come and talk to people. And at every opportunity. And it wasn't, not one of the other candidates gave me an excuse like, oh, I can't because I'm already at this event, or no, I can't, I'm out of town that day. Every single other candidate that I asked responded with, uh, i just not interested. It was either not interested or not worth my time. So to those candidates, if talking to your people and answering questions and putting it out on a medium such as a podcast like this, is not worth your time, then I really feel sad for you as to what you think your time will be if you get elected. What is, what is the point? Uh, so again, to Joe and Victoria, kudos to you. You guys are awesome. I really hope they get elected because I think they have the right mentality to go into these positions. And I think that's what we need more of is people like them who are community-oriented and people-focused. They want to do right for the people and not necessarily build a massive corporation. So I, I really am happy with, with the conversation. I hope you guys are too. And to all of our listeners that are outside of Alberta, I know this is, with the elections here, there's been a lot of shows about the M&A, and, and I know it's kind of really focused in on Alberta. So I do apologize. We're going to get back to talking about other stuff going on in every other province. Don't you worry. Um, but we, I just think these elections are important, and I wanted to highlight these elections because there's a lot of things wrong with the way these elections are being done. Uh, if you head to Lee Nouvelle on Facebook and it's L I I N O O V E L, uh, you will find articles that highlight some of the craziness that has gone on in the M and E over the last 22 years under Audrey's reign. And I, 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 you know, I just don't understand how these things happen. And I think it's a matter of people have been in power way too long. They're taking it for granted, and they are so they have so lost so much touch with 
with people, with the people they're supposed to represent, that they honestly just have no concept of what it is to be a member of the Métis Nation anymore or, a, a, you know, a person struggling with some issues that the Métis Nation should be helping them with. So, you know, get out there and vote. Can, please, can we drive the, the voting turnout up beyond, like, like get 15% voter turnout. That would blow my mind if you guys could do that. And to again, to all of our people listening outside of the province, go to your organizations when they're having these elections and talk to your candidates and expect more of them. And if they don't want to do events like this, then don't vote for them because they're obviously not there to represent their people. So even if it's not a Métis Nation organization, get out there and demand excellence from the people that, you're, that are wanting leadership positions. Look at the candidates and look at the leadership qualities that they have. And if they don't meet your standard, don't vote for them. Don't allow them to just walk into power. And, hey, even if you can, run against them and give them some competition. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you guys listened. And if tonight's episode only happened really because of uh, our Patreon patrons who have pledged $5 a month or more. Uh, So I want to thank all of you guys on Patreon and, and all of our people who are supporting the show, that is fantastic. You guys are absolutely awesome, and I can't pre- uh, say enough good things about you. Um, oh, one last thing I wanted to say before I let you go, other than head over to our Patreon page if you haven't already pledged, and help me get out to the communities more. But the last thing I want to say is in the in the conversation, we started off, and Joe had mentioned that he wanted to clear up the air about why he left the position of Vice President of Alberta before a couple of years ago. And he didn't get to it because we kind of got sidetracked. So I wanted to let everybody know that if if you go to one of our past episodes, episode number 34, you that is a conversation I had with Joe uh, back in November of 2017. And he talks openly about why he left the position of vice president. So if you are interested in hearing what Joe has to say about why he left, head over. Once you're done this, go back and download episode 34. You can find it on Podbean, um, and I think on iTunes it only goes back to episode 51 right now. So you can go to podbean.com, look up The Jig Is Up, and you can go back through all of our episodes, right back to number three. Um, And uh, yeah, but you can definitely hear Joe on episode 34 explain that. So I wanted to say that. For now, guys, uh, next Tuesday is going to be an absolutely jam-packed show. I believe Jason is going to be back on with me, and we are going to be ranting. Oh, we're going to be ranting, my friends. We have got, I have got a whole lot of material for next week already. So on that note, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this show. Get out there and vote, and vote for Joe, and vote for Victoria, and vote for the right candidates in your area that are going to represent the people, not corporations and, and not bureaucracy. So... Good luck to all those candidates that are awesome people like Victoria and Joe. And until next week, guys, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. No more living in darkness. Our time now is to be light in the world.